Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Friday, March 3rd, 2023. It is the feast of St. Kunjundis, who was an empress of the Holy Roman Empire and a saint who practiced prayer and mortification with her husband, St. Henry II. Despite living in luxury and surrounded by pomp, they guarded perpetual virginity in their marriage and carried out many pious works. Professor Plinio argues against the idea that living in higher social strata is incompatible with sanctity and instead suggests that positions of power should be proportional to individuals and their environments to avoid pride. St. Henry and St. Kunjundis, who are born into royal families and were accustomed to courtly ambience, serve as an example of humble individuals who lived amid the pomp and circumstance of their status. St. Kunjundis and her husband St. Henry pray for us. Praise be to God. It is good to be here today on this beautiful Friday morning. This morning, we are celebrating two great uh, things going on in the church today. That would be one, we are having the uh, first Friday is is today. So make sure that you have that set aside for you to be able to go to first Friday and make reparation for the sacred heart of Jesus. And today is an Ember Friday as well. So it's a day of abstinence. It's a day of fasting. It's a day of prayer. It's a day to go to Holy Mass. What an opportunity. And tomorrow is first Saturday, making reparation for sins and outrages outrages against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And it's an Ember Saturday. So another day of fasting, abstinence, praise be to God. Opportunities, holy days of opportunities is what we call them here. Holy days of opportunity. Days that you can choose to give God some praise, give God some glory, and give God the honor that is due to him. So make sure that you take advantage of these holy days of opportunity. Uh, Tito, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. Today was a great day so far. No traffic on the highway coming to work. It's Praise awesome. Be to God. You have anything planned for this weekend? Yes. Uh, of course, tonight is uh, Ember Friday, also First Friday. We'll be attending Mass and uh, Confession, Adoration, Benediction, and then Stations of the Cross. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Praise be to God. I, oh, yeah, Stations of the Cross. Yesterday, last week, I intended to go to Stations of the Cross, and then I went home and fell asleep. <laughs> and I just slept until the next day. So hopefully that doesn't happen today. I'm going to try to make it to, well, I will make it. I'm making a commitment. I will make it to Stations of the Cross and First Friday Mass this evening. So I will be doing that this at this evening. And tomorrow, we'll talk about this 15 past the hour. And I'm going on a pilgrimage to San, not San, is, is it San, no, Port Arthur. There we go. Port Arthur, Texas, where they're having a pilgrimage there. So I'm driving, I think it's about two and a half hour drive from where I'm at, but somewhere around there. Yeah. And we're going to head out there. And it's going to be great. I'm very excited. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. Also, the DOJ comes after Catholics and Senator Hawley just grilled the DOJ. It was pretty, pretty amusing to watch. So we're going to talk about that. 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. Uh, notice I say Bishop Sheen today. I was informed that I keep saying Fulton Sheen today. It's not that his site is not called Fulton Sheen today. It's called Bishop Sheen today. 
Bishop Sheen today, he's going to be on with us to discuss the third word from the cross, which is woman, behold your son. And in the next hour, we're going to be playing our game show, Fear and Trembling. That's going to be, we're going to be giving out prizes today. So make sure that you are on with us. So that way you can be entered into a chance to win this week's prize. And you're going to be able to find our phone number, put that on speed dial, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our email list because today I'm sending out a email and in it, I'm going to be providing that, those prayers that Rudy was talking about the other day. He was talking about prayers from Father Lassant's very beautiful, beautiful meditations, prayers, examination of conscience, all these things that are in there. And I'm going to send you a free copy, a PDF copy, and a link to where you could purchase it if you want a physical copy. Uh, plus, tons of other great content is going to be available for you there in our email list. So make sure you go grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Check out the website. Tons of information. But I'm pretty excited. What about you, Tito? Saturday, Sunday, any plans? Oh, yes. Um, Saturday, we're going to be doing a, a work of mercy in the morning, and then we're going to relax Saturday afternoon. Sunday, of course, attend Mass, celebrate Jesus and honor God, and rest some more. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's begin in prayer. We're, today, we're going to pray for uh, Damon's wife. He's a CDT insider. He's in our private Telegram chat, and he sent a, a prayer request this morning, so we're going to be praying for his wife. And my friend Josh Patterson and his wife, I'm going to be praying for them. He was telling me that his, uh, his wife, they were having contractions, and they went in, and it's way too early to be, to be giving birth, so they are trying to prevent her from, from going through. So be praying for that intention, that everything works well, that the baby is not born premature. And if the baby is born premature, everything works out well. Uh, so we're praying for that intention today. Um, thank you for joining us in that. And also, we're going to be doing the prayer to St. Joseph this month. Just a reminder. So the Memorare will come back another day. But let me know what you think. Should we start doing seasonal prayers, monthly prayers? Because month of March is dedicated to St. Joseph. So we're going to do prayers to St. Joseph this month. Next month, we'll see. Uh, but let's begin in prayer. We're going to pray the Virgo Pater in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God that armed with the weapons of his grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over his house. Pray for us, O Holy Joseph that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Friday, March 3rd, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Tyler Arnold at Catholic News Agency reports Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves signed legislation that prohibits medical professionals or anyone else from providing gender transition procedures to anyone under the age of 18. The ban includes both surgeries and hormone treatments. In addition to banning surgery on reproductive organs, the law prohibits facial surgeries, voice surgeries, hair reconstruction, or any other aesthetic procedure designed to make the child appear as though he or she is the opposite sex. Rafael Manuel Tovar at Zenit reports a schism in the Anglican Communion, 75% break with England over gay blessings and putting in doubt God's gender. Anglican churches unite in the communion which brings together all the dioceses of the Anglican Church. 
Zenit reports Pope Francis asks for prayers for abuse victims during March. For Pope Francis, victims are the ones who should be, quote, at the center of everything, end quote. They are the ones who need, quote, answers, concrete actions to repair the horrors they have suffered and to prevent them from happening again. Asking for forgiveness is necessary, but it is not enough. Joaquin Meisner Hertz at Zenit reports that in Germany, only 15% of German Catholics believe in the devil. The answers are not very different in the Protestant ambit, although the percentage is slightly higher of those that believe in the devil's existence. In fact, 17% of Protestants believe he exists. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 26. And I tell you that if your justice does not give fuller measure than the justice of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, Thou shalt do no murder. If a man commits murder, he must answer for it before the court of justice. But I tell you that any man who is angry with his brother must answer for it because the court of justice and any man who says raka to his brother must answer for it before the council. And any man who says to his brother, thou fool, must answer for it in hell fire. If thou art bringing thy gift then before the altar and rememberest there that thy brother has some ground of complaint against thee, leave thy gift lying there before the altar and go home. Be reconciled with thy brother first, and then come back to offer thy gift. If any man has a claim against thee, come to terms there, and then while thou art walking in the road with him. Or else it may be that the claimant will hand thee over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and so thou wilt be cast into prison. Believe me, thou shalt not be set at liberty until thou hast paid the last farthing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here he says, Be reconciled with thy brother first. And let that, that line right there speak to you. Let thou be reconciled with thy brother first. Amazing. Amazing. Let's keep that in mind today. Maybe today's the day to be reconciled with your brother, with your mother, with your sister, with your kids. Whoever it may be, maybe today's the day to be reconciled with them. Cornelius Alapidus says, Whoever is angry, the Greek adds rashly, without cause. Uh, but the Roman codices, St. Jerome and St. Augustine, omit that. But those or similar words must be understood, for unlawful anger is what is here treated of. Since anger for a just cause, as for example against sin and sinners, is both lawful and praiseworthy. Anger has been for this very purpose implanted in man's nature, that it should make them brave against vice and against those things which are really their enemies. So what is he saying here? He's saying that there are circumstances in which anger is, in fact, a good thing. And it is unjust anger that here is being condemned. He goes on to say, observe, anger is the thirst for vengeance, and it is itself a mortal sin. If it deliberately contrive or wish for any serious evil or body or goods or reputation of one's neighbor. Basically, he's saying here, if your anger is related to revenge, well, vengeance is mine, so saith the Lord. So if your anger comes from vengeance, 
then that case, it is sinful. That's where it is sinful. Lastly, anger is no sin at all if it be assumed from zeal for righteousness, for the extirpation of sin and sinners. Such was the anger of Matthias when he slew the legate of Antiochus, who was forcing the Jews to sacrifice to idols. In 1 Maccabees 2.25, such was the anger of Christ when he drove the buyers and sellers out of the temple. So he's saying here, if your anger is out of justice, that in that case, it is a righteous anger. And it's a zeal for, for souls, a zeal for the house of God. That case, there's no sin whatsoever. Here, St. Chrysostom, in the words of Psalm 4, Be ye angry and sin not. Notice here that the Psalms are commanding you, Be ye angry and sin not. That means that there are cases in which you can be angry and not sin. But those cases are not cases in which your anger is out of vengeance. We may be angry lawfully, for Paul was angry with Elamas and Peter was with Sapphira, but I should not call this anger without qualification. I should call it philosophy, carefulness. The father is angry with his child, but it is because he cares for him. It is he who avenges himself who is rashly angry. But he who corrects the faults of others is of all men the meekest. So notice here there's a common phrase that people say, like, don't spank your kids in anger or don't punish your kids in anger. It is more right to say don't punish them with vengeance. Don't punish them with revenge. For if you have proper anger and your anger is under your control, in that case, it is okay to punish an anger. In fact, it would be justice to punish an anger. It's simply not the fury in which we see, in which what we associate anger with. And so it's more rightly to say we should punish with philosophy, with carefulness, with the anger that is just and not a avenging anger, not a revengeance of anger, not a vengeance. In that case, it would be wrong. So God is angry not to revenge himself, but to correct us. Let us there in, therefore imitate him. Thus to act is divine. Otherwise, it is human anger. There is an anger which springs from zeal for righteousness. This is the anger which, because Eli had it not, he roused against himself the vengeance of the wrath of God. Notice, he receives the wrath of God because he acted in anger due to vengeance. For the sword of the eternal ruler flames against him who is lukewarm in correcting the vices of those who are placed under him. So what's the lesson here today? Well, let's keep our anger in check. Let's forgive our brothers today. And let's make sure that we are focused on the fact that anger, if it's revenge, let's be far from it. But if it's for justice and it's for the righteousness of God, well, let's be angry about those things. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and there you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's your go-to for interpreting the Bible? You go in Sinatra, he did it his way, or you go in Magisterium, we're doing it the Apostles' way. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. The Magisterium. What's that? That's the indisputable 2,000-year teaching authority of the Church. The Catechism says, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the Word of God has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the Catholic Church alone. Secondly, a stark contrast. Again, the Catechism says, the Magisterium is not not superior to the Word of God, but it is its servant. In contrast, the megachurch pastors are coming up with some crazy stuff. They tell us, quote, God is doing a new thing, or the Lord spoke to me this. Humorously, out from all of this, they become their own pseudo-magisterium. And thirdly, Mr. Sinatra, your voice and your music in the 40s swooned my mother, but with lofty lyrics and a lot of ego, your advice from the 1975 hit, I did it my way, falls short. Come on, let's get under the comforting shade of the magisterium. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be on with you today on this first Friday, this Ember Friday. Remember, tomorrow is first Saturday, an Ember Saturday. And speaking of which, tomorrow there is this awesome pilgrimage going on in Port Arthur, Texas. I'm going to be there. If you see me there, make sure you hit me up. Come find me. And I'd be happy to, to chat, catch up with you. It'd be a good time. And Port Arthur, Texas. And this pilgrimage, I'll let the, the uh, founder and the organizer for the pilgrimage uh, explain it himself. I'll play this little clip of an interview with him about the pilgrimage from a couple years ago. Uh, could you play that? My name is John Morell. I'm the president of the Latin Mass Society of Beaumont and an organizer for the ninth annual Lenten Pilgrimage here in Port Arthur, Texas. The purpose of the Lenten Pilgrimage is to provide an opportunity for local Catholics and Catholics uh, throughout the region to come and begin the season of Lent by doing penance, offering reparation, and beseeching Our Lady uh, to assist us at this time. Yeah, it looks like an absolutely beautiful pilgrimage that we can be able to... Uh, start participating in. We need to start having these all over the place. And so let's uh, so let's uh, start having these kind of pilgrimages all over the place. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful situation that we have there. And this pilgrimage will be happening. It's a, the 11th annual pilgrimage. So I'm going to give you some details of it if you want to join uh, and participate in it. That here's some details, and I hope to see you there. And let me know if you're going to be able to come out there. I know it's last minute, but if you're available, make sure you do. It's going to be, say, here's the, the flyer. says, park at Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish Hall or optional before 8 a.m., park at the Queen of Peace Shrine. They have a shuttle schedule at 8 a.m. There's going to have a shuttle coming from Queen of Peace Shrine to Our Lady of Guadalupe. At 8.15, they're having confessions. And at 825, they're having a option for you can place your flowers at the statue that, that's going to be carried. Um, and the pilgrimage is going to have at 9 a.m. They're going to have the traditional Latin mass at Our Lady of Guadalupe Church, Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. They're going to have your banners. They are encouraging people to bring banners and statues and whatever it is that you need. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena Catholic School, Calvary, a Catholic Cemetery, St. James Catholic Church. They're going to have Way of the Cross. All these groups and sites are going to be stopped at. And they're going to end at the Queen of Peace Shrine there. And it's going to conclude at 3.15 p.m. So very, very excellent. They're going to have a group picture and a shuttle back. And the, the priest there is going to give uh, some spiritual guidance on while we uh, the pilgrimage is going on. 
very exciting. I'm very encouraged by this, and I think they should be. We should have these all over the place. Every city, Amen. Uh, should be having one. Every diocese. Um, so I think that's pretty awesome. What do you think, Tito? Is there anything like that with Walsingham? <laughs> Probably uh, Corpus Christi. We have a procession and and several other processions, but mainly on the campus. So it's not really a, a public display, in my own opinion. Uh, going up and down the avenues and the streets, but man, am I happy for you and a little bit jealous because you're going to have participate in a pious, fun, good time over there. Nothing says Catholic as participating in these liturgical events uh, and processions and pilgrimages such as these. Amen, amen. Well, that's about it for uh, for that topic. Switching over to this, a little bit more concerning situation. Uh, Senator Hawley was talking about the, the investigation, the FBI investigation, Department of Justice, the DOJ investigating Catholics. And I thought this was incredibly interesting, what Senator Hawley, the interrogation he did here. Uh, could you play that for us? I noticed a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year issued a memorandum in which they advocated for and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics, it's their, their language, including those who favor the Latin Mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin Mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? No, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you said. What it's did you appalling. Do about it? It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it, and it's now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling. I'll tell you how it happened. The, this memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics. And, and as I've said, this is an, uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using. It should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work. Let me just ask you, as my time expires here, a very direct question. How, how many informants do you have in Catholic churches across America? I don't know, and I don't believe we have any informants aimed at Catholic churches. We have a rule against uh, investigations based on First Amendment um, activity, and uh, uh, Catholic churches are obviously uh, First Amendment activity. Well, but I don't know the specific answer to that. You, you don't know the specifics of anything, it seems, but apparently on your watch, this Justice Department is targeting Catholics for their faith views. And Mr. Attorney General, I'll just say to you, it's a disgrace. Yes, excellent. Thank you very much, Senator Hawley, for that. I, I thought the funniest part about that was at the very end, he tells him, he says, uh, how many informants do you have at Latin Mass parishes or in Catholic churches? He says, I don't know. And then he goes into things saying, no, I don't, think, I don't think we have any. I don't think we have any at all. And then he concludes by saying, well, I don't know. So he's admitting that there are some, just that he doesn't know how many. I think it's very interesting to me. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. I also was confused. I was saying, Senator Hawley out here, I mean, he is like grilling this guy on behalf of Catholics. Uh, is this guy Catholic? So I looked it up, and he says that I found that Senator Hawley identifies as an evangelical Protestant, but was educated at a Jesuit all-boys Rockhurst High School in Kansas City, Missouri, and he has shown an intense interest in religious liberty issues. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess... 
I guess he's just into religious liberty. I guess he has a, some kind of fondness for the Catholics from his high school years or something. Because I didn't hear anybody going after the DOJ as hard as Senator Hawley did. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that, that was pretty impressive by Gen, uh, Senator Hawley. We've seen other uh, senators step up, such as Ted Cruz and, and, uh, and a couple others that escaped me at this moment. But we, we need to take this seriously. If, if it's happening in one office, uh, there, is, there are hundreds of offices all, all across the U.S. Who's to know if it's occurring in everywhere else? Yeah, A.G. Uh, Merrick Garland cannot know everything everywhere all at once. But so that also tells you, you know, they're probably spying on us. And to use the Southern Poverty Law Center as a, as a main source for your tracking of hate groups, the SPACL has gone off the left-wing radar since the early 20-aughts. These guys have listed pro-life organizations as well as Catholics and other evangelical organizations and ecclesial communities as hate groups just because we preach the Word of God. We need to be careful as far as who to trust and who to know. And I'm saying we can trust the FBI, but we cannot trust them all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would trust the FBI ever. But uh, nonetheless, here's a, here's my takeaway from this. My takeaway from this is that the FBI does not care about your identification in the church. They don't care if you say, well, I'm a glad trad. Oh, no, I'm a, I'm a mad trad, or I'm radical, or I'm this Catholic, I'm that Catholic. They don't care. Oh, I go to Walsingham, or I go to the Ordinariate. Oh, I go to the Novus Ordo. Oh, I go to Latin Mass. They don't really care about that. The FBI does not care. They're not, they don't have any theological opinions. They don't have the, a stake in the liturgy wars. They don't care about that. What they care about is that we have the faith and that we are orthodox believers. They want us all to be modernists. They want us all to reject the teachings of the church. Why? Not because they care about theology and philosophy, but in a sense they do. In a sense they do, in the sense that they want us to not hold to the Catholic faith. Because the Catholic faith is dangerous to the regime that they hold. It's dangerous to the modernist ideals, the liberalism in society, the modernism in society. And so my plea and my takeaway here is the FBI doesn't distinguish between faithful believers. They lump us all together, whether you're SSPX, FSSP, diocesan, maybe you go to a Dominican parish, wherever you go to church. They don't care about all those distinctions, the infighting. They don't care. If you're a faithful believer, they lump you all in together. And so my plea is that we have a wide breadth of charity for one another. I was reading this article about tolerance from a Catholic perspective, legitimate tolerance to fellow Catholics. Father Vermeesh, who was a priest in 1913, he was the author of the article on modernism in the Catholic Encyclopedia in 1913. He was a Jesuit priest with a doctor of law in political administrative science. He is a professor of moral theology and canon law. So he's a highly qualified to speak in this and not a modernist by any stretch of the imagination. He says, do not seek the malicious satisfaction of having discovered an additional enemy to the church. It is a delicate question how we ought to behave in the philosophic or religious controversies in which we take part. And the problem becomes extremely perplexing when our adversary declares that he shares the faith for which we write. 
he would referring to Tertullian, an early church Christian writer, says, See, they say, how they love one another. For the pagans themselves are animated by mutual hatred. See how they are ready even to die for one another. For they themselves will sooner put each other to death. Do, can we still say that about Christians today? That we would die for one another? That they can tell we are Christians by our love? Can we, can we say that today? Is that something that we're able to say? Or do all we do is fight with one another and say impurity spiral and say, you disagree with me about this and that. Oh, you're slightly different from my beliefs. On, on matters that are defined by the church, of course, we have to have conformity. But in matters that are of ambiguity, of things that are uncertain, where we had a wide breadth of charity. And when we say this, it's more in reference to tolerance more than charity. We have to be just to one another. We have to, when we detect or suspect errors in a, in a brother, we can't just go out and call our brother a heretic. First, we need to tell them, hey, this is where you're an error. And maybe, maybe they're not an error. Let's discuss this. Now, like I said, if it is a subject that is defined by the church, so if someone comes out and says, I don't believe in the Trinity, well, obviously that's wrong. And there has to be conformity in the church when it comes to the doctrines of the faith. But when it comes to matters of dispute, where there's confusion, like for instance, if you go to Germany and you go to mass in, the, in any German church, are you going to condemn fellow Catholics to go to their churches? Because their bishops are denying the faith. Their bishops are pretty much manifest heretics, everything but, everything but declared. And so are you going to condemn the faithful Catholics that are in communion with those bishops? I would say no. Why? Because it is a confusing time. What are they supposed to do? Is there a right answer? I'm sure there is a right answer. We just don't, we just don't have access to it right at this moment. And because of that, I argue in things that are not dogmatic, in things that there is confusion and there's no clarity, let's have a wide breadth of charity and tolerance for our fellow Catholics, for our fellow believers, those who profess unity with one another, and we can show everyone that we are Christians by our charity. We'll be right back with Folk Bishop Sheen today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback. That Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, March 3rd, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Sam Metz at the Associated Press reports lawmakers in Utah have defeated an effort, defeated an effort to make clerics responsible for reporting all evidence of child abuse, even if that evidence was obtained in a sacramental confession. The proposed legislation, which would have eliminated an exemption for clergy from reporting requirements, would have threatened Catholic priests who upheld the confessional seal. The bill was also opposed by Mormon leaders who hold considerable influence in the heavily Mormon Utah. Lim Kim at Zenit reports a census in the Philippines reveals that Catholics number 85 million. After Brazil and Mexico, the Philippines is the third country with the largest number of Catholics in the world and the country with the largest number of Catholics in the Asian continent. UCA News reports the Vatican has sent a team of investigators to India to report on a violent confrontation that occurred in the Cathedral of the Archdiocese of Ernakulam Angamali last Christmas Eve as a dispute over liturgical reforms boiled over. A group of 29 Catholics are charged with desecration and sacrilege after they disrupted the celebration of the Eucharistic liturgy, protesting the priest's posture. The Archdiocese has seen a heated dispute over new liturgical rules that were approved by the Synod of the Syro-Malabar Church. Most priests and laypeople in the Makalam Angali Archdiocese favor the traditional liturgy in which the priests face the people over the Reformed liturgy in which the priests turn away for the Eucharistic prayer, otherwise known as Ad Orientum. The Archdiocesan Cathedral has been closed since Christmas Eve. And Catholic World News reports Marymount University in Virginia, which is Catholic, is planning to drop programs that show a lack of potential for growth, including the programs in theology and religious studies. Administrators at the Catholic school explained that few students were enrolled in the programs scheduled for elimination. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us right now via Zoom is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen Today. I keep saying Fulton Sheen Today. I don't keep wanting to say Fulton Sheen Today. I even did at the end of the last segment. But Bishop Sheen today, it's a great website. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, Alan has the best of Fulton Sheen right there, and you can find it all, and it's pretty amazing. I also have links to a ton of his videos that you can just listen to, different lectures and talks and radio shows. All these things are all there. Go to bishopsheentoday.com. But thank you, Alan, for joining us again. Oh, it's great to be here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And so, um, again, Fulton Sheen loved Our Lady of Guadalupe, loved Our Lady of Fatima, loved Our Lady of Lourdes, just loved Our Lady. So today we're going to be talking about Our Lady and uh, the third word from the cross, woman, behold your son, and to the apostle love, behold your mother. Amen, amen. What a beautiful, beautiful word from our Lord on the cross. And I was reading through the uh, that the third word, yesterday last evening 
And just from like the second page, I was already just like I could just sit here with this one paragraph for the rest of the day. And he says, behold, thy son. It was the second nativity. Just that just that line alone. I'm just blown away. And he goes on. He says, Mary had brought forth her firstborn without labor. And I immediately I was like. Whenever your normal Catholic apologist brings up the firstborn, they would make the argument, okay, well, yes, Christ is the firstborn because you can say someone's the first without saying that there ever was a second, and they use that as the argument for why you can say that our Lord is the firstborn. But Fulton Sheen here says, no, he's the firstborn because John was a secondborn, and then all of us who are children of Mary are the third, fourth, fifth, ad infinitum the children of Mary. Uh, that's so beautiful. What do you think about that, Alan? Yeah, I, I, this is one thing I think that Catholics miss a little bit of that at that moment on the cross, when our Lord said, woman, behold your son, and to the apostle love, behold your mother, we became children of Mary. And, and do, we, do we ever use that title? Uh, I'm a child of Mary. Yes, we hear I'm a child of God. Uh, yes, we hear that. Jesus is my brother. Um, but yeah, he's your brother because uh, you became his brother at the foot of the cross. And and again, the spiritual adoption that takes place that people don't realize. And I think we have to rejoice in that. Rejoice that we are children of Mary and that she loves us. And it was this difficult assignment that our Lord gave. It was a, a poor exchange. Uh, she was losing her son on the cross but getting you and me and Tito uh, and uh, and Rudy too. So um, by all means, uh, not a great exchange, but still uh, an exchange that she took on with with great love. She loves us and she wants us to get to heaven one day. Absolutely, absolutely. And one another thing in the end of that that first meditation, he was in the prayer. It struck me that Fulton Sheen stepped his foot into the the controversy of the fifth Marian dogma. And I'm just like, oh, now I know. I didn't realize before that, that Fulton Sheen was an endorser of Our Lady as co-redemptrix and mediatrix of all graces. In the prayer, he says, Mary, thou shalt never forget us, as thou wert co-redemptrix in the acquisition of the graces of eternal life. Be thou also our co-mediatrix in their dispensation. Nothing is impossible for thee, because thou art the mother of him who can do all things. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Alan? Yes, I think I think this is what Fulton Sheen is trying to say to us. You need to go to her. Uh, you need to call upon her as an intercessor. And I think of what Fulton Sheen said. You know, we're all struggling trying to become you know good Christians. And the word Christian, when you translate it, means little Christ. And Fulton Sheen, throughout his writing, says, you know, we, why, why beat around the bush? Uh, if we want to become like Christ, who better to form us than the Blessed Virgin Mary? For, for 30 years, she formed him. And so we need to go to her and ask her to form us. And I think sometimes it's so simple and such a basic uh, idea that we forget it. But we need to go to Mary. Uh, what does St. Louis de Montfort say? I think she's the... Uh, surest and, you know, let's just say things get a lot easier if you go to Mary. And I think this is what Fulton Sheen was saying. The words of um, him, uh, of course, in sacred scripture 
when St. John took Mary into his home. Uh, we need to take Mary into our home so that we can be formed by her. And I think, uh, I think last time we spoke, we talked about, uh, you know, taking Mary into our home, uh, letting her ride shotgun in the car with us. And of course, you brought the beautiful statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary with you in the car that one day uh, you were just, uh, of course, sharing her love with the world. But um, again, this idea of bring her into your home, it's so important. Absolutely. In, oh, man, so many things to say about Our Lady. It's just an endless topic. And I, I love this word. I was reading home. Oh, the, the I'm not a crier at all. I don't cry. But if I could cry, I would have teared up reading this. Uh, Fulton Sheen was saying of Our Lady, and it just, it just touched my heart so dearly. He said, are you a mourner? Have you lost a sweet child, a kind father, a loving mother? Then you have lost only part of what you had. But Mary lost everything, for she lost God. To you who mourn, behold thy mother. In those moments of unbounded grief, when you are oppressed by your sins and dripping tears from a wounded or broken heart, when you are sick of what you have and hunger after what you have not, when holiness seems such a distant goal and heaven so far off, then say to Mary, Remember, Jesus said to thee concerning me, as wicked as I am, woman, behold thy son. Oh my goodness, Alan. Uh, tell me what. Tell me your thoughts here. Well, you know, I think when I read about um, Fulton Sheen talked about the suffering of the innocent, and how Our Lady is an innocent victim, um, it moved me to the point where um, I needed to apologize to her. I, I share the story of a drunk driver who uh, runs over uh, an innocent victim wakes up in a jail cell, sobers up, and then realizes what they did. Um, and in many cases, the, um, the perpetrator will apologize to the mother of the victim. Well, we have the same opportunity to apologize to the Blessed Virgin Mary. When you see what she lost, she was losing her son, and she didn't deserve it. Yet it was our sin that put our Lord on the cross. Um, we're guilty of the offense, yet we um, don't do anything about it. So I recommend to everyone, apologize to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Tell her that you're sorry for the role you played in the death of her son. She is the innocent victim, but yet she took that role on uh, lovingly, said yes at the Annunciation. Uh, she knew this was part of the journey, uh, yet she is innocent, and we've caused her to suffer. Uh, when the, Fulton Sheen said, you know, don't do anything that your mother would be ashamed of. Um, I, those words ring in my ear. And when I think of the word, behold your mother, I take the word behold and break it into two. I think of be a good son, be a good daughter, and hold on to her. Hold on to her. Uh, it is so important. So when you hear the word behold, think again, be a good son, be a good daughter, and hold on to her. Hold on to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. Amen. What oh, so many so many things. I, when you're saying that, my heart just is stirred because, you know, what son, what son, even in, and naturally, has this love for their mother? They would do nothing to offend them. And whenever you, we realize that we have offended our mother, our hearts should break. And if that's true of our natural mothers and our natural sons, how much more for our heavenly mother, who is all perfect, who is all loving who loves us unconditionally, even more than our natural mothers do. Uh, we'll be right back with more from Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today, coming up next.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is worship? Well, here's best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And joining us right now via Zoom chat is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen Today. We're talking about the third word from the cross, woman, behold your son, and, and son, behold thy mother. It's a beautiful, beautiful word. To meditate upon it, it's just, you. I was talking before the break about how even as a natural son, you love your mother and you treat her with the greatest devotion you can here on earth. And your heart is broken whenever you offend your mother. And how much more should that be with our mother in heaven? And I was commenting on that because Alan just just heart-wrenching talking about apologizing to our mother because we wounded her heart, and I'm just thinking about the station of the cross when we say the prayer, like, who can see her and not weep? Who can see that mother at the foot of the cross and not cry? What a beautiful thing. Alan, uh, what, what's the next uh, meditation here for, from Fulton Sheen? Well, everybody during the season of Lent is asking for advice to help them to overcome the vice of lust and to practice the virtue of prudence. And this is what Fulton Sheen ties into the third word from the cross when he says, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. She is the antidote for those struggling with the sin of lust. Um, Our Lord um, made reparation for the sin of lust in that he became unfleshed, and yet Our Lady witnessed that. And yet, if you're struggling with the sin of impurity, who better to go to than her? Again, the virtue of prudence. Um, our Lord did the most prudent thing he could. He left us with his mother to help raise us. But yet, when we look at the foot of the cross, who do we see there? We see Magdalene, you know, a redeemed, um, again, a redeemed woman. Uh, she's a woman with reputation. But still, she's got Mary beside her. She knew that Mary was the refuge of sinners. 
and that she could go to her for assistance. And so it's so important. It's so important that we uh, make that connection that if we want to become holy, we need the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is so important. Amen. Yes, 100%. And Fulton Sheen talks about how in Our Lady there is there is no selfishness, just like in Our Lord there is no selfishness. Yet us in our fleshful nature, we are very selfish. And just by just even think about our our stomachs on Fridays during Lent, we uh, our stomachs are growling, just begging for food, and we're just saying our stomachs are like, feed me, feed me, feed me, and it's a very selfish attitude by our very flesh nature, and yet. Our Lady and Our Lord perfectly are reflecting that rejection and that putting into subjugation the body in favor of spiritual things. And I just can't help but think we should just look at our mother. And whenever we see her, it should be an encouragement to us to be able to chastise the flesh. And just like Our Lady, they was said that she would crawl into the tomb with Our Lord and die there with her if it would have been the will of God. What a beautiful thing. Yes. And I think what we need to do is start to develop some spiritual practices of conversating with the Blessed Virgin Mary, having those moments of speaking to her through the day. Uh, I developed a holy practice years ago because I was struggling with my relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary. I didn't really feel too connected to her. And so I went back to those years of being a child with my mother and how I loved when she woke me up in the morning. I love how she fed me breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and how she put me to bed each night and blessed me. And it was right there for me. The formula was there. When you wake up in the morning, thank the Blessed Virgin Mary for waking you up. Ask her to bless you through the day. Every time you sit down for a meal or a snack, ask her to feed you spiritually. Yes, you're a big boy now. You're a big girl. You can feed yourself. But ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to feed you spiritually. And this is why we look at the Angelus uh, in a new way at six, noon, and six. Uh, opportunities where when we usually eat meals, we can call on Our Lady's intercession. And every evening when you go to bed, take that moment to ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to bless you, uh, to uh, whisper those little sweet nothings in your ear. Uh, we think of that lovely lady dressed in blue poem that Foldenstein loves so much. Um, this Having this conversation with Our Lady, asking her questions. But again, we need to have this spiritual practice of talking to the Blessed Virgin Mary throughout the day, and then she'll grow on you. And then the next thing you know, you're talking to her all day long. So it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Yes, the, the lovely lady blessed, dressed in blue. I need to memorize that, that poem. If you've never heard that poem, I highly recommend looking it up and checking out that poem. Try to put it to memory. Maybe read it to your kids. Uh, they would love it. But, you know, it's another thing. He talks about Our Lady being the antidote to Marxism. And I was kind of blown away by this because it's not something you would normally think of. You don't think Our Lady, uh, crusher of Marxism, yet... Fulton Sheen talking about selfishness, she, he says that Our Lady is the antidote. Tell us about that. 
Well, again, she is the, um, I want to say the answer to all our, the world's problems because she is the example that we need to follow. Um, you know, I think of how, you know, Marxists have this idea of, and I think of communists in the same breath, you know, they want to own everything, your property, uh, your mind, even your soul. Yet, uh, what does Our Lady say to us? You know, her soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. Uh, I look at the holy example of Our Lady visiting her cousin Elizabeth. Isn't that the greatest testimony we could have? She's only a few days pregnant with our Lord, and yet she's already on a journey to go and visit her cousin Elizabeth, to share our Lord with not only St. Elizabeth, but with St. John, who is in the womb. And this is the mission. This is if we all took this zeal for the mission, like Our Lady, to share Christ, Marxism would be eliminated. Communism would be eliminated because we would want to be like Fulton Sheen in this great saying of his, I do not want my life to be mine. I want it to be Christ. And if we did that, uh, Marxism would be defeated. Communism would be defeated. And all the other isms that are out there would be defeated. Yeah, that's an that's incredible statement out that you mentioned about defeating Marxism and communism. So <clears throat> if you don't mind me diving in a little bit deeper, my, my question is, is uh, we, we see the rise amongst Zoomers and millennials and the attraction towards socialism or some, some, some sort of hybrid, but it's always it's, it's socialism in the end. How do we put that in practical use every day as far as do we show more, uh, charity towards those around us? Uh, we should be more intentional with that virtue. Uh, I'm just not sure how to grasp that. Could you explain that further? Yeah. Well, I think, again, it's, I think of the virtue of prudence that we're talking about today when we think of the words, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Uh, prudence, uh, we don't practice the virtue of prudence enough today. Who should we associate ourselves with? How we should spend our time? Um, a holy suggestion that, that Fulton Sheen makes, not just in this book, but in many of his books, um, almost an invitation to move in with the holy family to live mm. under the roof of St. Joseph, to live under his rule. Um, I like to think of how uh, St. Joseph makes that invitation to us to say, I want to build an addition onto my house so that you can move in with my family and learn from my family, learn from my good wife, the Blessed Virgin Mary, learn from my son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we're going to share our homes. We're going to share our ideas. What did the Holy Family do each day? They opened the scriptures, they shared the scriptures, and those uh, thoughts were on their mind all day. So it's it's who we hang out with, who we associate with, who, who are our kinfolk. Uh, and if you get adopted by the Holy Family, uh, it will help in this world that's uh, preaching a different message to say, uh, you know, how about we just all have everything in common, um, you know, this philosophy of communism, um, but really, the philosophy we should have is the philosophy of the Holy Family. Uh, we're here on this earth, but we're trying to be on pilgrimage to get to heaven. And I think that's with the whole thing. The utopia is in heaven, not here on earth. You know, it's really strange to me. I had never once considered this, and I thought it was so interesting. It was when Fulton Sheen brought up the the garment of uh, of our Lord that was present in the Gospel of John. 
where he says, The soldiers, therefore, when they had him crucified, took his garments and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. He said, Why, of all the details of the Passion, should he suddenly begin thinking about a robe? He says, Because it was woven by Mary's hands. And that kind of struck me. What is Fulton Sheen trying to get at here? Well, again, she is striving for perfection. <laughs> you know, we, we've all done handicrafts and sometimes we get frustrated. But yet Our Lady did everything with great love. You know that that coat was woven with great love. She was making it for our Lord, the King of Kings. And do we take that in our day-to-day -day life? I think St. Therese of the Little Flower just really um, live that, you know, with just picking up pins with great love uh, for God. Again, Mary shows us the way by saying, I wove this garment with great love. And uh, do we do the same thing? So it's a little bit of a challenge, but again, it's the intention of what do we do with our time, our talent and treasure? Is it for God? Is it for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Our Lady shows us the way. Yes. And, you know, I was thinking, if someone, if, because my mom made me this rosary I have in my pocket that I carry with me all the time. And if somebody came up and took that from me and then just like, just took it, took it out of my hands and they were going to tear it, destroy it. But then they stopped and like, wow, this is actually really nice. Let's roll dice for it. And then I'm getting, I'm over there watching them do that. Oh my goodness. I would be, I would be so angry and it would be my heart would be wrenched from that. And I just think about how our Lord would have been saying, taking something that was, that was handcrafted by our lady and given to him. Like, oh my goodness, what a, what an, an, another suffering on the cross, another suffering. Yeah. Two things that come to mind. I think of um, the soldiers unwillingly didn't know the value of relics but they knew that they had a beautiful relic in their hands, uh, a keepsake that they could enjoy, but also that our Lord uh, gave everything away. He gave away his clothing to his executioners. He gave his mother and his uh, best friend to each other, but he gave the Lord the best. He gave him his holy will when he said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Amen, amen. Thank you very much, Alan Smith. Go to Bishop Sheen today. Bishop Sheen today, check out Bishop Sheen today and find out a ton of information about Fulton Sheen. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time after this break. We are a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi there, Chris Thornhill here from St. Rose of Lima, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. If Christ should come on earth some summer day and walk unknown upon our busy streets, I wonder who would be if we should meet and being God, if he would act that way. Perhaps the kindest thing that he would do would be just to forget I failed to pray and clasp my hand forgivingly and say, My child, I've heard my mother speak of you. This is Frederick Murphy. What a beautiful, beautiful prose. And think about that today. If you met our Lord today, what's the greatest thing that he could say to you? My child, I'd he- I've heard my mother speak of you. If you met our lady, if you met our Lord, or you met our Lord, would he say that our lady talked about you? That's a great thing to think about today. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be on with you today. Today is Good Friday. It's Ember Friday. Tomorrow is good. It's holy. Is a is not. I said Good Friday. I didn't mean Good Friday. I mean it's a pre- First Friday. Pre tridium. Yes, it's a First Friday, and tomorrow is First Saturday. There you go. I figured it out. I figured it out eventually. It's a First Friday. Tomorrow is First Saturday. Holy days of opportunity for you to be able to go to mass, go to adoration, pray, make reparation for sins against Our Lady and Our Lord. Awesome days. Awesome days. I hope you're going to participate in it. But what did you think about the conversation we had with Alan Smith, Tito? It's so, it, he offers such deep insight. And uh, towards the end, I was getting some goosebumps just listening to how our mother can play an intricate role in our life if, if we just let her. And we, we observe her, we do, you know, praying the Angelus or, or saying, the morning prayer of saying thank you. She can also be a great tool in helping us fight uh, lustful thoughts. She can also help us in being prudent and helping others, as well as showing our, uh, practicing our Catholic faith in public. It's, it's always inspiring when Alan comes on because I, I learn something new 
every day, well, every week, every time he's on. And, and I truly appreciate that we have him on the show once a week. I, I think uh, this, well, all segments of the show are great, so it's really hard <laughs> to, to discern which one's my favorite. But uh, definitely, uh, today was a great show. Wow, the Amen. great segment. And my favorite part of the show is the whichever one we're currently on. <laughs> Good answer. There you go. There you go. You know, I was talking to my brother recently about the French Revolution. He was playing this game where you kind of play as a a character within the French Revolution. You're basically like a judge during the French Revolution. And he said he was shocked because all of a sudden they have a priest get show up and he's supposed to judge the priest and his crime was he was uh, violating the the law that said that the all priests had to sign an oath uh, to the state, and he was violating it. And my brother was like, wait, what? I can't condemn him to die? And he was having this moral dilemma playing this game. And he was saying, um, yeah, I, cause so I was, I was, the game will punish you if you end up letting him go free, and you receive more credibility and prestige by executing him uh, according to the people. And it made me think of this propaganda against Catholics during the French Revolution. My brother was telling me all these like, things that he was heard about the French Revolution, the king and the, the prince and the, and the queen and all these stories that surround it. And I came across this article today coincidentally. So I, maybe not coincidentally, maybe providentially. And I was like, wow, this is very interesting. And it was the last will and spiritual testament of Louis the sixth, the 16th King of France before he was beheaded by the French revolutionaries. And I wanted to read it to you because people will talk about, Oh, well, the King was a bad King. Anyway, he was immoral. He wasn't even a good person right, and he deserved to die. Even if the French revolution was bad, uh, the, the King was bad too. Apparently that wasn't the case. No, the French revolution was not bad. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was de demonic. Is what it was, but listen to this. So this was his last will and testament. He was without a Catholic priest to fortify him with the sacraments. And in preparation for his death, he wrote this. And notice, they, they, didn't, they would not give him a priest. They wanted him to be damned. They were cruel. Cruel, evil people. So here's what he says. And I'm going to skip some parts of it because it's, it's fairly long. But he says, I leave my soul to God, my creator. And I beg him to receive it in his mercy not to judge it by its merits, but by those of our Lord Jesus Christ, who offered himself as a sacrifice to God his Father for us men, however unworthy we may be, and I first of these. I die in the union of our Holy Mother, the Catholic, Apostolic, and Roman Church, which holds its powers by an uninterrupted secession from St. Peter, to whom Jesus Christ entrusted him. I firmly believe and confess all that is contained in the creed and commandments of God and the church and in the sacraments, the mysteries such as the Catholic church teaches them and has always taught them. I have never claimed to be a judge of the different ways of explaining the dogmas, which are tearing the church of Jesus Christ apart, but I have referred and I will always refer if God grant me life to the decisions, which the ecclesiastical superiors united with the Holy Catholic Church, give and will give in, according, in accordance with the discipline of the Church followed since Jesus Christ. I pity with all my heart our brothers who may be in error, 
but I do not pretend to judge them. And I do not love them any less. In Jesus Christ, according to that which Christian charity teaches us, I pray to forgive me all my sins. I have sought to know them scrupulously, to detest them and to humble myself in his presence, not being able to avail myself of the ministry of a Catholic priest. I pray God to receive the confession I have made to him, and especially the deep repentance I have for having put my name, though it was against my will, to acts which may be contrary to the discipline and belief of the Catholic Church, to which I have always remained sincerely united in heart. I pray God to receive this firm resolution which I have, that if he grants me life, to avail myself as soon as I can of the ministry of a Catholic priest, to accuse myself of all my sins and to receive the sacrament of penance. I pray all those whom I have inadvertently offended, for I do not remember knowingly offending anyone, or to whom I have been given bad example or scandals, to forgive me the evil they believe I may have done to them. I pray all those who have charity to unite their prayers with mine, to obtain from God the forgiveness of my sins. I forgive with all my heart those who have become enemies of mine, without my having given them any cause, and I pray God to forgive them, as well as those who by a false or misunderstood zeal have done me such harm. And he goes on then to talk about his wife, the commending of his wife and children to God, and talk about what he wills for his family, for his kids, for his son. He goes on and on about this. And he finishes by saying, I finish by declaring before God and ready to appear before him that I do not reproach myself for any of the crimes which are brought against me. What a beautiful, beautiful way of acting and believing during this time where he had no access to a priest, no means of the sacraments. And this man is, is known as this evil, evil, wicked man. And yet I would sign my name to his declaration of faith right there. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm surprised he's not a blessed or venerable yet. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how he died. I don't know the details of his life outside of that. I don't know all the details, so I don't know. I wouldn't jump that far, but <laughs> I would I would say look, this is this is the way in which we should have a disposition, especially towards our death. Yes, towards our death. That's an excellent example. The, the few books that I've read on the French Revolution and the king, he lived his life more or less uh, resembling what he wrote. He did not have ill will. Mm. He always was prudent in making difficult decisions. Sometimes he took a long time. Other times he always refer deferred to others. And he was always willing to wait and listen. It, he did not rule by decree like one of his great-great-grandfathers uh, uh, did. Uh, and, but with that said, I really don't know anything else about him. But he died uh, a servant of God. Very similar to, yeah. to uh, St. Thomas More. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of amazing. And I, I'm curious to know um, more details about his life after reading that because, yeah, it was, it was very beautiful in his love for his family and love for his kids. And it just, it's just so, it, so maddening how people demonize the monarchy such and they think that the, all monarchies are bad and people would say, well, you know, democracy is not the best, but it's better than all the other ones, all the other, all the other states. And I'm thinking, well, we, we've had so many monarchs who, who were not saints, 
but they were good people and they were good Catholics and they loved the faith. And it's kind of shocking to see uh, that reaction that people have. But also that declaration of faith is something that really struck me to say, I believe everything that Holy Mother Church has teach has taught and teaches. And, and as King, who is a legitimate judge over people that he says, I do not judge others who may be misguided in their beliefs in the church because that's not according to my authority. That's not something that I have preview at. That's not part of my purview. And yet he is the king and he has that humility. That was very striking to me. Yes, that very inspiring. It's it's a shame we didn't see his, uh, his rule uh, finish out naturally as it should have. And it's just a crying shame that we, we many of us, even uh, even uh, Generation X and, and the baby boomers, we, we were not, we were told that democracy and republicanism was the best thing on earth since sliced toast. <clears throat> yes, there, there are deficiencies in many uh, forms of government, but I can't think of anything else that's comparable to democracy, and that would be the monarchy. So, yeah, I mean, the monarchy... The thing about it, and we've been reading through the the Aquinas Catechism series with uh, the CDT insiders, and when I was going through it, you know, it's St. Thomas constantly, constantly makes analogies to the monarchy. Why is that? Well, one, it was the the common experience of the people, of course, Uh, but almost more importantly, monarchy is a reflection of heaven. Because a monarchy has that authority structure that is similar to that of heaven, where you have God as king, Our Lady as queen, you have the apostles in the highest ranking as parts of heaven, and then you have the, the different hierarchies of heaven, even among the angels, who are the, the army, the heavenly host, even among them, there's hierarchies and different duties that are meted out, and it's a reflection a a pale reflection, but a, yet a reflection of the heavenly kingdom when we look at those monarchies. And so St. Thomas constantly gives analogies to the monarchy, talking about, well, you know, the way you would treat a king, you know, if you disrespect the king, then you would have received the same punishment as you would if you disrespected God. And we're thinking as Americans reading that, what does that mean? I don't think there's anything wrong with disrespecting the president, but we have a totally different attitude. It's very interesting, very interesting to me. The And so if you want to be included in our CDT email, so the CDT private telegram chat at the moment is in fact closed, but I'm going to give you a, a secret. Just don't tell anybody and don't tell my CDT insiders. They're going to be upset. But if you sign up for our email list and shoot me an email saying, hey, I know I missed the deadline. I want to get into that, that catechism series out of great mercy and out of inspiration from this great king i would perhaps send you the link to join our aquinas catechism series so the way to do that go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt and you can sign up for our email us there and shoot me an email afterwards and maybe just maybe i would have mercy send that that link but speaking of which if you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, you can also find our phone number to call in for our game show. 
That number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. The number is 877-757-9424 to be on our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Call now. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. The Christian is able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let's share the secret. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be on our game show. And just remember, if you don't make it on the game show today, just write down that number, 877-757-9424. And if you write that number down, you can call in the next show. It won't be tomorrow, tomorrow, Saturday, but Monday. We're having a brand new game show with all new prizes. So make sure if you're not on today, you write that number down and you join us on Monday for brand new prizes, brand new show. And Here's a uh, little sneak peek. We got all new Catholic trivia questions starting on Monday. Pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Praise be to God. The game show is pretty sim simple, very straightforward. And if you uh, play, it, it's, I guarantee you, you're going to get at least one answer right. It's very simple. I'm looking at the questions, and two out of three are very easy. Two out of three will not be tricky at all, and I think you're going to be able to get it. And we're going to jump into that in just a moment. But what is the prize for this week, Tito Edwards? Thank you. 
Thank you, Adrian. The prize is an 8x10 Holy Family print from Just Love Prints. Just Love Prints offers greeting cards, Catholic notepads, a family, ho- family Holy Family collection, and stickers galore, all designed in gorgeous styles with authentic Catholic elements. Visit JustLovePrints.com. Awesome. Thank you, Just Love Prints, for providing us a sponsor for this week. We're very grateful to you, Just Love Prints. But joining us right now is Mirna. Mirna, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Mirna. Where are you calling from? Arlington, Texas. Arlington, Texas. Praise be to God. That's not San Antonio. Were you aware of that? That's not San Antonio? Yes. (laughs) That's uh, near the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right? Yes. Awesome, awesome. Between Dallas and Fort Worth. Perfect. That's your you're in Dave Palmer territory is what I'm noticing. Dave Palmer and Cecil Anderson territory. Praise be to God. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Where are you off to this morning? Work. 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 Awesome. How is your Lent going? Um, So far, it's going well. Did you uh, your sacrifices for this year? Are you doing um, sackcloth and ashes? You're only wearing sackcloth to work this for this Lent. Sleeping on a pillar. Okay, okay. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's not quite uh, wearing sackcloth to work, but giving up sugar is hard. Those uh, sugar withdrawals, I'm not going to lie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I get I get headaches if I don't have my sugar. It's kind of bad. I'm like, is sugar secretly just like a drug? <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. I'm giving it up at work because that's what I have it in the morning with coffee. So just plain coffee now. Oh. Ooh. I can't, I can't do plain coffee. It's too much penance. I'd, I'd rather flog myself. He can't do coffee at all. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, Mirna. Thank you for calling in. Are you familiar with how the game show works? Yes. Perfect. Then we'll jump straight in. We'll start with Rudy, who, which is our Don't custom. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll get it. Don't worry. I won't be tricky. <laughs> Famous last word. <laughs> all right, Rudy. Are you ready? I am ready. The question on the table. What famous Catholic monk took the name Father Augustine and was later excommunicated for heresy? Many such cases. Many such cases. not all of them took on the name uh, Brother Father Augustine. Mm. That happened to be a guy named Marty. Marty. Marty Luther. Marty Luther, you say? That's what I call him. Um, I spit upon him. Martin Luther King Jr.? No, I'm talking about Martin Luther, the guy who uh, ran to the monastery because he was caught in a duel and that was banned. So the only way out of the death penalty was to run to the monastery. And then, you know, he never really... The one that became an Augustinian monk. Yeah, he never really uh, kept up with anything. Then he ended up stealing a nun. Oh, it happens, you know. Oh, and then he founded the Lutheran religion. Oh. Oh, awkward. Um, naming your own religion after yourself. Kind of odd. But all right. He's going with Martin Luther. Uh, Tito, same question to you. What famous Catholic monk took the name Father Augustine and was later excommunicated for heresy? Tito. I think I cannot be as eloquent as Rudy in answering, but I will say it was John Hus. John Hus? Yes, or Hus. Okay, interesting. I've never heard of Mr. Mr. John Hus. One of the reformers of the uh, so-called reformers. So-called reformers. All righty, Mirna. The same. The question is: What famous Catholic monk took the name Father Augustine and was later excommunicated for heresy? 
Tito thinks that it's John Hoos, whereas Rudy says it's Marty Luther or Martin Luther. Mirna, 15 seconds. Martin Luther, I believe, uh, even, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I think it was... All right. He's going with Mar- she's going with Martin Luther. Nailed it. Praise be to God. Way to go, Mirna. You got one so far. That's, that's one in. Don't worry. I'm sure you're going to get the next one right. Very simple. Very easy. You're very wise. I know you're going to get the second one right. Are you ready, Mirna? Ready. Let's do it. Question number two. Atito, what terms refers to the blessing or benediction given by the Pope? Given by the Pope, I would guess Pope, Papal, Papal Blessing, or sometimes referred to as Apostolic Blessing. Okay, okay. You're saying a Papal Blessing or an Apostolic Blessing? Yes, not okay. Popery, Not papal. Popery, okay. Alrighty. Rudy, same question to you. What terms refers to the blessing or benediction given by the Pope. That's known as the Wednesday Angelus. Oh. Now, if you'll bow your head right now... Oh, you're going to give us a blessing. I'll give you one, but oh. I'll give you a Friday Angelus. Interesting. Blessing. Interesting. Oh, hey, you're going to give us the Wednesday Angelus blessing on, <laughs> on a Friday. Friday. <laughs> All right. All right. That sounds good. Mirna, I, this is a very tricky question. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to get this one, but uh, Tito says that the term referring to the blessing or benediction given by the Pope is called a papal blessing or an apostolic blessing, whereas Rudy seems to think that it's called a Wednesday Angelus blessing. Mirna, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? I think Tito is right. You think Tito is right? Oh, thank, praise be to God. You got it right, Mirna. Um, I think my ears blew out there for a second. Uh, but good thing, praise be to God, Mirna, you got it right. That is correct. The papal blessing or apostolic blessing is, in fact, the term that refers to the blessing or benediction given by the Pope. But this next question, Mirna, this might be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. You're ready. All right, all right. Just say a quick Hail Mary while I go through this question with these guys. I'm sure you're going to get it right. Uh, Rudy, the question is, is poverty one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Although poverty is a really, really great thing to Mm -hmm. incorporate to your personal life, your prayer life. Yes. No, it is not. Oh, it's not, you're saying. No? Nope. Okay. I mean, I, I remember our Lord saying something about being poor in spirit and all those things. But okay, you're saying no. I, well, I, I personally believe in prosperity gospel, so oh, you're, obviously you're not. Catholic. I, I mean, <laughs> I got to get a plane somehow, oh, you know, a, a jet of my own. Please send money. Here's uh, Rudy's mansion. cash app. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, all right, Tito, same question to you. Is poverty one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? I would say yes. You would say yes. Yes. I, I, I've not seen uh, the Holy Ghost okay. with any uh, material things with him. Ever. Oh, that, that's true. I'm I've, kidding. I've yet to see the Holy Ghost with material things or otherwise. I haven't seen him. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. Mirna, like I said, this is a very tricky question. This is a 50-50 chance, though. You just flip a coin, say a Hail Mary. Here's the question. Is poverty one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Rudy says, nope. It's a great thing, but it's not a fruit of the Holy Ghost. Whereas Tito is like, yeah, of course it's, it is. I've never seen in the Holy Ghost with anything. 15 seconds on the clock. Mirna, what say you? Uh, yeah, I think it's no. Last week I had a reading, and it was that reading, and I don't remember seeing it. And I'm almost 
sure that it's not. Okay. She says no. It's a way to go. Providence. I knew you were going to get it 50-50 chance, and you didn't even need the 50-50 chance. You just knew the answer. Praise be to God. Yeah. Mirna, you rock. I get the three right. First time in Every time that I have called, it's the first time I get the three right. Way oh, to wow. go, Mirna. Congratulations. We're very proud of you. Well, and next time we have high expectations for you. That's true. That's true. But oh, now, okay. now comes the drawing for the coffee cup of Divine Providence. So we're going to pull out a winner from the coffee cup of Divine Providence. We have Tito is shaking up the coffee cup of Divine Providence right now. Getting it a good mix right there. He's going to draw a name, and whoever pulls it out, it's God's holy will that that person win. And it is... Mirna. Mirna. Yay! Wow. Praise be to God. Way to go, Mirna. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, Mirna, thanks for calling in, and stay on the line. You get it, too. We're going to get your contact information. So that way, if uh, you, or so that way, we can send you the prize because maybe we just drew your name. Praise be to God. And if you did not win, for everybody else who did not win, don't worry. There's future opportunities to call in and be on the game show and win the prize. But God bless you, Mirna. God love you. Have a blessed day. Thanks, you too. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold and we'll get your contact information in just a moment. But that's going to do it for today's show. Praise be to God. Thank you guys for joining us this week. It was a wonderful day, and it was a wonderful week with lots of really cool guests. And next week, we have a full lineup already, so don't you worry. We have more on Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the after show, you can join us on Facebook, YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble. Just look up Catholic Drive Time, and there you can join us, and we interact with you directly. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if not, we'll see you on Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we will have more special guests and more great topics. So make sure you tune in Monday at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you back. And we'll see you back either right now on the Catholic Drive Time after show, or we'll see you back on Monday. God bless. God love you. And Alan Smith is joining us again in the after show. So hop on with us. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Through Guadalupe Radio. Praise to the holiest in the height and in the depth be praise. In all his words most wonderful, most sure in all his ways. 
O loving wisdom of our God, when all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Lord Jesus, you came to reconcile us to one another and to the Father. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you heal the wounds of sin and division. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you intercede for us with your Father. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. God of love, you called St. Catherine Drexel to teach the message of the gospel and to bring the life of the Eucharist to the Native American and African American peoples. By her prayers and example, enable us to work for justice among the poor and the oppressed and keep us undivided in love in the Eucharistic community of your church. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, If the wicked man turns away from all the sins he committed, if he keeps all my statutes and does what is right and just, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the crimes he committed shall be remembered against him. He shall live because of the virtue he has practiced. Do I indeed derive any pleasure from the death of the wicked, says the Lord God? Do I not rather rejoice when he turns from his evil way, that he may live? And if the virtuous man turns from the path of virtue to do evil, the same kind of abominable things that the wicked man does, can he do this and still live? None of his virtuous deeds shall be remembered, because he has broken faith and committed sin. Because of this, he shall die. You say, the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair, or rather are not your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if the wicked, turning from the wickedness he has committed, does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all the sins that he committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. The word of the Lord. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, who can stand? If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, who can stand? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice in supplication. If you, O Lord, mark, mark iniquities, who, who can, can stand? stand? If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, Lord, who can stand? But with you is forgiveness, that you may be revered. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, who can stand? I trust in the Lord. My soul trusts in his word. My soul waits for the Lord. More than sentinels wait for the dawn. Let Israel wait for the Lord. If you, O Lord, mark iniquities, 
who can stand? For with the Lord is kindness, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all her iniquities. In you, O Lord, mark iniquities. Who, who can stand? Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Cast away from you all the crimes you have committed, says the Lord, and make for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In that first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, it reminds us of something that St. Ignatius of Loyola drew from this reading, and that is there's two kind of fundamental directions in life. Either we are going toward God or we are going away from him. Either we are going from mortal sin to mortal sin, and that means we're going away from God, or we're, or we're really, truly striving to overcome our sins, our faults, and our imperfections, and we're moving, going from basically from grace to grace, moving towards God in our relationship with him. There's those two directions. We, we can't be in the middle. Uh, but even though, for instance, if we're striving for God, that doesn't mean we're not going to fall or we're not going to have, we don't have imperfections, but we're striving to overcome those. And when, when we move in these two different directions, then on the one hand, um, the the enemy of our progress is trying to kind of keep us, especially we're going away from God, where we are, trying to make us comfortable, trying to propose new ways of sin, and so on and so forth. Whereas the Holy Spirit is really trying to shake us up and say, you're going the wrong way. Don't go that way. And then hopefully we turn and begin to head in the direction towards God, in which case then the enemy tries to put us up all kinds of obstacles and things to, to get in our progress. And the Spirit is the one now who's encouraging us to move forward, to keep going. So when the prophet Ezekiel is saying, you know, when somebody turns to, 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 to virtue and then starts to practice iniquity again, they start going the wrong way again, you know, what happens is, well, he says, all of their virtue will not be remembered. 
at least we could say that the virtues that we had begun to inculcate and to be established in our life begin to unravel. So we have to be careful that at any moment, of course, even if we've gone towards the Lord for many, many, many years, there is that opportunity for us to turn back and head the wrong direction. Hopefully it is then the Spirit who will again wake us up and shake us up and, and put us where we need to, on the right direction where we need to go. It kind of is connected with the Gospel today because Jesus, he reminds us, even though he's talking about uh, in in you know, in his time, would be those who would, who would offer certain uh, sacrifices to the temple. It still reminds us for us is that if we are to come before the altar of God and to per worship him truly in spirit and in truth, we need to have our hearts prepared and ready. And so in this time of Lent, it is often a good time to be able to look over our life. And if there are things, if there are people that we have one not forgiven, but also because usually that's because of things that people who have done wrong to us. But on the other side is who have we offended? <laughs> who have we uh, who who needs in a sense which need to come and ask forgiveness from us because we have offended somebody? We've done something wrong. That we would first of all before we come to place ourselves in union with Christ on the altar that we would first make sure that we have that all straightened out. I think in our faith life, there are times we sort of look back on our life, there are moments of things we would have liked to have done differently. Sometimes we may have the opportunity to go to ask, or to, to go to somebody and ask for their forgiveness. And sometimes it's just because it's impossible. We don't have any contact with the person, or just it would, it would be sometimes a very, very difficult situation, uh, which is not because we don't have the courage, but because of other, of other circumstances, but then we simply need to come before the Lord and maybe to come to him in confession and just say, Lord, I want to ask for forgiveness, or if we've already asked for forgiveness, just to bring this before the Lord so we can have a, a more pure and heart, a pure, pure heart, ready to come to really worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. If you recall, if anything, uh, if you bring your gift to the altar and they recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift at the altar. Go be reconciled and then come and offer your gift. And we need to do this quickly. Otherwise, if we wait till the end, we may not, we may not get, have the chance and we have to pay for it in purgatory. The Lord, he is very, very clear. If we, don't, if we do not forgive, if we hold resentment in our heart, we will have to be purified for it to the last penny. He says, Wait, if you do not forgive others, you will not be forgiven. That should fill us with a little a bit of uh, trepidation. Let us then bring, as, we, as we're going to bring our gift, let us bring, we want to bring the fullness of ourself with a pure heart, uniting ourselves with Jesus and our sacrifice of our life to the Father. If there's anything that we need to forgive or needs to be forgiven, let us first be reconciled so that we can truly bring our best self to the Lord. Let us bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. For the whole Christian people in this sacred time of Lent, as we journey with Jesus in his Paschal mystery, that we may be abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord.
for the whole world that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ. For all those who need forgiveness in their lives, so they may bring their more pure gift to the altar, to be united with Jesus in his sacrifice to the Father. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins, and we turn to him with our whole heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For our own intentions and for those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. For those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace, let us pray to the Lord. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whenever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy, through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, who become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hand. Praise and glory of his name for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept the sacrificial offerings, O Lord, by which in your power and kindness you willed us to be reconciled to yourself and our salvation to be restored through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you will that our self-denial should give you thanks, humble our sinful pride, contribute to the feeding of the poor, and so help us imitate you in your kindness. And so we glorify you with countless angels, as with one voice of praise we acclaim. 
Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahod, Plenisun Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Catherine Drexel, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. 
be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop the order of bishops all the clergy and the entire people you have gained for your own listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you in your compassion O merciful father gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world to our departed brothers and sisters to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life give kind admittance to your kingdom there we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord through whom you bestow on the world all that is good through him and with him and in him O God Almighty Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit all glory and honor is yours forever and ever Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. The sufferings are the sign of peace. Agnus Dei. Qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be. For those who are unable to receive our Lord in Holy Communion at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. 
I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descended. Our full homage to deep end. Let us pray. May the holy refreshment of your sacrament restore to us restore us anew, O Lord, and in cleansing us of old ways, take us up into the mystery of salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Look with favor on your people, O Lord, that what their observance outwardly declares, it may inwardly bring about through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. A master came to bring good news, the news of love and freedom, to heal the sick and seek the poor, to bring the peaceful kingdom. Father, forgive us, through Jesus hear us, as we forgive one another. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is Gabriel from TrueFaith.tv, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 